0: beginning of message. We have a busy day here today at Bethel. We have the Lord's Supper in a little bit. We have our ministry fair that's going on, and we want to leave a little bit of room for that. So uh, today's message is a little shorter than normal. Ironically, on the subject, love is patient. We are barely into this uh, little mini-series, which is part of a broader series from the book of 1 Corinthians, but we're really kind of zeroing in here in chapter 13 on the whole matter of love. What is love? What is God-like, agape love? And our working definition of this is self-giving for the good and joy of another. It is God-like Agape love is godlike in the sense that the vibrancy and the energy within the Godhead is self giving love. The Father for the Son and the Spirit, the Son for the Father and the Spirit, the Spirit for the Father and the Son, they have eternally dwelt in a giving of themselves way, which has been a tremendous blessing to them and a source of great joy. Love. They love each other. Selflessly, and their greatest joy is to bring joy to the others. And this is why it is so core to who God is that 1 John uh, 4 8 simply says this God is love. Now, that is not to say that love, it, the fact that it is self giving and self, it is self giving, let me say it that way, does not mean that agape love doesn't have personally enriching rewards because it most definitely does this is what jesus highlights in uh, acts 20 verse 35 where he says it is more blessed to give than to receive there are things that come to us in the giving of ourselves that self-receiving can never provide so when the bible calls us to love one another in this way it is not a punishment Like if we read through this list, and you know, like today, love is patient, oh, love is kind, oh, hate that. And we view it as some kind of an oppressive thing that God says, oh, you got to be this way. No, God knows that this is the path to our greatest personal happiness because this has been his own experience within the Godhead for eternity. So it is not a bad thing. It is a good thing. It is the best thing. My mom made a statement to me this week. Perhaps last week. I forget when it was. But I was—I uh, had this knee surgery. And and by the way, I, I met somebody this week who has been coming to our church for just a, a, a little while. And uh, somehow it came up about my knee. Like she asked or I don't know how. Somehow it came up. And I said... I said, oh, you knew that I had knee surgery? And she goes, uh, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, note to self, time to move on. Enough said about that. So just one more, okay? (laughs) Just one more, maybe a few others, but one more. My parents came out to help me get you know recover from it and were a total blessing to me i could not have done it without them. i was so appreciative and i was telling that uh basically just gushing about it to my mom how thankful i was for what they did and my mom's response to me was this steve it was my joy to do it it was my joy to do it that's love and when the father sent the son it was his joy to do it. When the son died for us in spite of the pain and in spite of the agony, which we will be remembering in the Lord's Supper here in just a few moments, it was his joy to do it. In eternity in the future, when God the Father lavishes us with all the blessings that are ours in Christ, nobody's going to be happier about, about that than God will be. When we give of ourself, there is a joy that comes from it. And it is this self-giving love that I'd like you to begin thinking about in preparation for the Lord's Supper. Now we saw in verses 1 through 3 that it doesn't matter how amazingly gifted we are, how unbelievably knowledgeable or insightful we are about spiritual things, uh, how sacrificial we are, if we do those things without love, It means nothing. Anything minus love equals nothing. But the glorious truth of that is that the reverse is true as well. That anything with love equals greatness in the eyes of God. Which is so wonderful because, you know what, we're normal people, aren't we? How many of us are amazingly insightful? And how many of us uh, can speak with the tongues of men and angels? And how many of us are giving our body for the kingdom work? Few of us, if any... And yet, whatever we have that God has given us, when we infuse it with agape love, that is greatness in the eyes of God. This is what Jesus meant when he said, you want to be great in the kingdom of God? Be the servant of all. Who here can't do that? We all can. You, my friend, have the opportunity to be great in the eyes of God. And don't we all want that? So with that said, I'd like to read then verses 4 through 8a which is what we're going to be studying for the weeks ahead. We're going to go slow through this. But here's what it says. Not a definition of love, more of a description of love. Here's what it says. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now, it is pointed out in this passage that there are seven things that love chooses to do and eight things that love chooses not to do. And we see here... Even from a cursory reading of the passage, that love, biblical love, godlike love, real love, is so different than uh, the way it is portrayed in the world. It is not a torrent of emotion, it is not uncontrollable passion. Just seeing this, we see that love is a purposeful choice of the will. To do what is going to be for the good and the blessing and the joy of another. A self-giving. A raising up of their interest above the interests of myself. This is what love is. It is treating others the way that God has treated us. It is also important to note here, and we'll probably come back to this in the days ahead, that all of these are verbs. They're all verbs. And what we see from that is that love, essentially, is a, an expression. It is an action. It is something that, it, it does something. It is not a kind of static feeling where I am sort of, I'm dwelling within love. I am, I am in love. It is, it is a muscle. It is sweaty. It does something. It has to. Now... We look at this list here and I would bet some of us go, "Oh, I oh. love love is kind, check. Love doesn't envy, n- no check. <laughs> Keeps no, no record of wrongs, no check. Hopes all things, check. And we sort of look at this like, well, I'm getting some of them. I'm not, getting, I'm not getting others. And frankly, let's be honest, nobody here fulfills this very well. I mean, how many of us can look at this and go, check, 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 check. Let's go to another church for the next two months. I don't need any help. I got this all figured out. None of us can. And there's a reason for that. Only God's love is perfect. Only God loves this way. And all of us, myself, I look at this and I tell you, there's a few of them. And frankly, today's is one of them that I look at and I go, Oh, I am so bad at that. So bad at that. And what this needs to do is, as we said last week, it drives us to the grace of God because none of us love like God loves. We're all very imperfect. And yet when God's love is received by faith and does its work, we are increasingly becoming more like this in what is known as sanctification. 1 John 4 tells us that this love is so important and needs to be a reality, not perfectly, but real. If somebody claims to know God, but they don't have this kind of love, they're a liar. They're a liar. So this is pretty important stuff, I would say. Is God's love evident in my life? Not in the words that I say, but in my actions towards other people. This is key. All right, today we're just going to study three words. Love is patient. Love is patient. And I got to tell you, I come to this subject with some fear and trepidation for a number of reasons. One is that I generally live my life in a hurry. Nobody that knows me well would ever pick patience as one of my top three virtues true in my life. In fact, it doesn't even make the top 10. Might not even be on the list at all, frankly. And so I come to this, and it's kind of like people say, oh, don't pray, don't ask God to help you with your patience, because he'll Give you something that'll really help you learn it. And it's, you know, the cure is worse than than the disease. And so uh, you maybe have heard that. And so I came to this week kind of like, love is patient. Oh no, what's going to happen to me preparing for this? And so I got through most of Thursday and I thought, you know, it's pretty good so far. And then a virus hit my computer, crashed my computer, threatening to lose an entire day of study, and I thought, well, there you go. That's what you get. I should have skipped this one and just moved on to love is kind. (laughs) Well, we only have three words to play with here. We've already studied love, agape. Is is hard to parse and to preach on. So that leaves us basically the word patient. So let's talk about what this means, actually. And in the Greek, the word literally means this. The tempest is far away. The tempest is far away. The anger, the annoyance, the frustration is far away from me. The opposite of this is somebody whose anger, whose frustration, whose annoyance is right there next to them. They don't have to go very far to find it. Proverbs calls this person quick-tempered. We're going to see in verse 5 a similar character quality when it says that love is not irritable. Strong's Concordance. To exhibit internal and external control in difficult circumstance. Or as the King James famously translates this, charity suffereth long. Hard to improve on that. Now, here's something to realize is that this word is not so much used to describe patients in difficult circumstances. It has to do with patients with difficult people. Hmm. Because circumstances require patients, no doubt about it. But people require patients on steroids. Am I not right with this? And likely, even as I begin talking about this, you are possibly thinking about somebody in your life that you struggle to exercise patience towards. That somebody who just has a unique ability to annoy you to death. Is somebody coming to your mind? Are you coming to somebody's mind? call these people special people (laughs) and as a pastor you know you all if you have special people in your life unless you're forced to be around them you can just avoid them as a pastor I'm called to love them and hang around with them and if you're wondering is he talking about me no I'm not talking about you (laughs) I'm talking about the people around you I'm not talking about you we all have special people in our life. We think to ourselves, they they drive me nuts because they are so blank. Why can't they be more blank? You filling in those blanks for uh, the special people? You know what I'm talking about here? Indeed. Now, I have felt bad about this, about the way that I can easily be annoyed by by people, but I found some comfort in a quote from Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor is like famous missionary, famous godly man in the you know in the hall of fame in terms of missionaries. began uh, the the the, the uh, missionary work in China years ago. I mean, this is like a revered godly man. And I came across this quote from Hudson Taylor, which I find some comfort in. Here's what he said: My greatest temptation is to lose my temper over the slackness and inefficiency so disappointing in those whom I depend it is no use to lose my temper only kindness but oh it is such a trial can a few of us relate to this I think probably so love is patient let's talk about why love is patient and the reason why love is patient is because God is patient Let's talk about the patience of God. Every attribute that we have listed here in verses 4 through 8 are perfected in God. In fact, somebody said to me, I think last week, they said, did you know that you can read that passage and take love out and put God in it? And I never really thought about that, but actually you can. Love is patient. God is patient. His patience, though, is of a unique quality. Because for God... There is no impatience in the sense of having to wait for something. God transcends time. He is is above time. So God is never like, oh, would they hurry up and get here? They drive me nuts when they're late. He's never worrying about being late, never worrying about being early. Everything happens exactly on time for God. He is sovereign over it. He also doesn't fret over circumstances. He is sovereign over circumstances. He's, he's never wondering what's going to happen and feeling that sense of anxiety like, oh no, and this person is driving me nuts because I can't rely on them and I don't know how it's going to turn out, which is what we struggle with so much. He has none of that because he is the sovereign God. So in what way then is God patient? Three passages that describe the patience of God. First, Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before him, this is Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The same time that God gives Moses the the Ten Commandments, the moral code declaring his holiness and that he is, a, he is a completely morally pure being. The same time he does that, he also declares to Moses that he is slow to anger and abounding in love. Wait a second, God, which are you? Are you a holy God and a just God that must judge men's unrighteous actions? Or are you a God of mercy and slow to anger and abounding in love? Which one are you? And the answer is, he is both. He is both. Marvelously, gloriously, both. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness. But is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Romans 9.22, what if God, desiring to show his wrath and make his power known, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? Now what we know about God in this regard is what God has told us about himself. And he has declared that he is slow to anger. Slow to anger. His patience then, this is what I want you to get, relates to his willingness to delay the expression of his righteous anger towards us. His willingness to delay, to restrain himself from expressing his very righteous anger towards us as Sinners. And friends, we ought to rejoice at this. And here's why. 2 Peter 3 9 says it is his slowness, it is his self restraint that provides an opportunity for us now, cover for us to hear and to believe and to be saved. God would be entirely, it's it, completely righteous if the moment that we sinned, if he just went and damned us to hell. In that moment, you could not say that he had done anything wrong at all. It would would be right for him to do that, justified for him to do it. But he is a righteous God, but he is slow to anger. And he desires everyone to come to repentance. And so it is this slowness, it is this self-restraint that allows for a period of time that we ourselves are in right now where there is a gospel that has gone out that all who believe will be justified, declared righteous by God, and therefore not recipients of wrath, but recipients of grace and mercy and eternal life. So if God was not patient, we would all go to hell. But he is patient. So are you getting it? He he would be righteous to condemn us, but he chooses to delay the expression of that. Now, in saying that, it doesn't mean that God overlooks anything. Everything, every sin is either paid for by Jesus on the cross or is punished in hell. Nobody gets away in that sense. No sin gets away with anything. But what God does is rather than treating us like we deserve, he places what is good for us Before what he is justified to do. Okay? That's the patience of God. It's an expression of his goodness and his kindness. So we get grace instead of wrath. We get goodness instead of judgment. That is the patience of God. So, love is patient because God is patient. And God is love. It all begins with him. Which leads then to the question, okay, well that's nice to understand the patience of God, but how does that relate to me? Let's talk about what then is patience on the human level? What does this mean in terms of our relationships with one another? Remember, and you have to always remember the context of what who Paul is writing to. These Corinthians were completely self-absorbed and we've been, we've been uh, seeing how self to them and the protection of their rights was so important to them. They were putting their rights and their needs ahead of others. And the fruit of that is the mess that we've been studying for the last almost two years, where they're just, you know, and no, I'm right. No, you're right. And I'm going to sue you. And, and I mean, all these things, they were at each other's throats. If you've ever been in a church experience, you can, you know, like that, you know how nasty it can get. The church of Corinth, it was a nasty deal. Everyone just living for themselves. And what's what, this is the way that I think. So what did this church need? Why did Paul, of all the characteristics of love, why does he list patience as the first one? It is because what that group of people needed, and we as well, is an infusion of God-like, placing others' needs before my own, restraining the condemnation of other people type of patience in the congregation. That's what they needed. And this is why Paul listed it first. So patience. When, when is patience most needed? When do we really need patience? The answer is, I need patience when the other person is not exhibiting it towards me. You know, when you're in a healthy relationship and that person's there living selflessly and you're living selflessly, it doesn't require a lot of patience. But when that person is being all selfish and treating me in a bad way and not put, not considering me in, in, in the way that I think I ought to be considered, now what I need is I need God-like patience. And typically, the moments that we need patience, it's not that I am misassessing what this person has done to me or think what they did as as what they did as... Back up the tape. I need patience when, when, when I am being wronged. And this is why it's the same as God, okay? What we have done against God, he's not misassessing our treatment of him. He is very accurately assessing, you're a sinner and what you are doing is defaming my glory. In our case, we need patience when people are doing the same thing to us, treating us that way. What love does then is love is willing to absorb the offense from the other person's selfish actions. Okay, and I feel like I need to go back to that because this is so important to understand. Sometimes people say, well, he did this and I was right to do that to him. Did you know what he did to me? Okay, That's the moment we need patience. Yes, what he did or she did was wrong. Yes, they mistreated you. Yes, they lack love towards you. That is when patience is needed. Not when everything's great and fine and everything's, you know, ah. we don't need patience in those moments. We just enjoy the moment. We enjoy the love. But when things fall apart, that is when... Have I said that enough? I've gone around that 15 times. Are you with me? All right. So agape love... Agape love absorbs the offense and like God refuses to exert my right to condemn what this person has done to me or to condemn them for doing it. Okay, the self-restraint like God. Here's how Proverbs 19.11 says, a good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Now, who does that sound like? That's God, right? He is slow to anger and is willing to let the offense pass for now. Again, it's not a matter of whether I'm justified to feel the way that I do, because most of the time we are justified to feel the way that we do. We live in a world with sinners, and guess what sinners do to one another? Bad things. So if I'm waiting for everything to be a panacea so that I don't have to exert patience, that's called heaven. You're not there yet. And this church isn't it, by the way. So agape love, and here's, this is the key now. Agape love takes the love of God expressed in his patient towards my sin and refusal to condemn me and expresses the same kind of self-restraint towards the failures of others which are infinitely less significant than how I have failed God. I wish that was on the screen. I'm going to say it again because this really is the heart of it. Agape love takes the love of God expressed in his patience towards my sin and his refusal to condemn me and expresses that same kind of self restraint towards the failures of others, which are infinitely less significant than how I have failed God. And that really is the rub. When I am feeling impatience, when I am feeling like condemning somebody, when my annoyance factor is rising high, I am making much of what this person has done to me. And I am minimizing what I did against God. When the reverse is the case, right? What I have done against God is far more significant than anything somebody is going to do to me. And what we need then is we need that gospel perspective. I am a great sinner. Christ is a great Savior. God has great patience towards me. And oh, look at what you've done against me. Ouch, that hurt. I'm not going to say it was good. I don't like it. But look what God has done for me. This is the parable of, of, uh, of from, uh, Proverbs, uh, from Matthew 18, where the guy who's been forgiven by the king $10 billion goes out and begins to choke the guy who owes him 10 billion. And the whole point is, don't you realize what God has forgiven you? And now you're going to make a huge deal about the $10 debt that somebody has incurred against you? Shouldn't the one mean love and patience towards the other? So realize, friends, that God doesn't sigh oh, about us. He doesn't seek to punish us. He doesn't pull away emotionally. He doesn't slam the door. Fine, I'll forgive you. He doesn't verbally attack. He waits patiently because he has the big picture in view. Love is patient because God is patient and God is love. It is God's patience towards us expressed humanly towards one another. Now, I just want to talk briefly with you about what is impatience then. If that's what patience is, what is impatience and where does it come from? And I really think the heart of this is self-idolatry and a desire to control everything. We're all control freaks. And God's people said, okay, not everybody said that because they viewed me saying that as an expression of my control over the congregation. I'm gonna let him control me because I am in control of myself. I do not have a problem with control, but you clearly do. We want to control everything, including the people around us. And we do this with expectations that we have. And we project those expectations on our spouse, on our children. On our family members, on our friends, on our boss, on our, our, the company we work for, uh, on our government. I mean, we have, we, we, we live our life with these expectations. And most of them have to do with what we need in order to keep ourselves enshrined as gods in our own hearts. Think about that for a moment. Most of our expectations on other people have to do with ensuring that they view us as important as we view ourselves. Or this is the way that I'm saying it. Impatience is the personal expression of our desire to be God and our frustration when others didn't get the memo. Think of the last time that you were impatient with somebody. And right now, some of you spouses are doing this number because it was like 45 minutes ago on the way here. Yes, you know, some annoyance, some kind of a oh, thing. What was it actually that really bothered you if you were to analyze it as objectively as you can? What was it that just annoyed you about that? What got you going with frustration? Likely, they didn't act, talk, drive get back with you, or any other number of things that you expect someone who realizes your importance to do? Am I close? It's hard to get an amen on some of those kind of statements, but I'm I'm good with that. Okay? And here's the odd thing, is that we project these expectations on people that we don't even know, and that don't know us. Let's talk about driving for for a second. What do you think when you're traveling down one of these two-way roads that we have all too many of around here, uh, because they refuse to make them four lanes like the rest of the state, anyway, uh, these two-lane roads with no passing, what do you think when you're behind the old lady driving the 1986 Buick with 6,000 miles on it? What do you think about as she's driving five miles an hour below the speed limit and 15 below what everybody else drives? What do you think about the person in the grocery line ahead of you at the checkout who apparently has not figured out that you can pay for things electronically now? And she's filling out her check to pay for the groceries, balancing her entire checking account, <laughs> and apparently trying to calculate her mortgage payment while you and 15 other people wait in line. What do you, what do you think about in moments like that? Or what do you think about the pastor who promised a shorter-than-normal message but apparently, <laughs> but apparently has forgotten that he did so? Now you think, well, Pastor Steve, how do you know that people think that way? Um, Pastor Gary told me that he sometimes thinks that way, so that's how I know that. I had to do some field research for this message. Impatience, the personal expression of our desire to be God and our frustration when other people didn't get the memo. Love is patient, God isn't impatient. Love is patient because God is patient and God is love. And so here's the thing, impatience is a kind of blasphemy. In that moment, what I am doing, am I, I am raising myself, my desire to be God, to control everything, for everyone else to realize how important I am. And we enshrine ourselves in those moments as God, and then treat other people in the opposite way that God has treated us. In other words, we play God very badly. Not only are we not God, but when we try to be God, we don't act like God actually is. He is patient. And that is why this all comes back to the gospel. It all comes back to what agape love is and how God has expressed it to us. Here's the thing. Every day, sinners are going to do things against us, treat us in ways that are worthy of condemnation. Because that's what sinners do. But what are we called to do? We're called to apply the gospel in those moments and to treat them. And this is so hard. Trust me, this is so hard to treat them like God has treated me. Recognizing that what God has to overcome to treat me with kindness is far greater than what I got to overcome in with the old lady on the road. And I apply that to my spouse. And I apply that to my family member. And I apply that to my employer. And I apply that to the co-worker. And I apply that uh, to to the school worker and the lady checking out and the people in my life. Love is continuously patient. And I have to believe in that moment, and this is something that has been helpful to me, in my marginal improvements in this area. I have to believe that a sovereign God placed this person in my life for a reason and this moment in my life for a reason. Perhaps your creed this week in those moments when you're feeling annoyed is just to bring it, love is patient. Love is patient. Why did I go to church last week? Love is patient. Yes. And in doing that, then I am exercising a volitional self-restraint. And I am asking God to help me express an emotional self-restraint. In other words, not to be all sighing. Oh, oh. Listen to your sighs. Those moments when you're really yourself. Ironically, last night I was driving home after preaching this message and this person. And I was like, oh. And I'm, like, oh. I'm so guilty of this. Rather than condemning an opportunity to do good to them. And that's the thing. It's not that we just don't do bad to them, although that would be a good step for us. We do good to them. We do good to them. Rather than rolling our eyes at them and letting them know how annoying they are to us, how about in that moment, some kind of an affirmation? Rather than condemnation, to overlook the offense, which is a man's glory. Love covers a multitude of sins to extend forgiveness. Something that affirms that you respect them and you care for them. This is godlike. Some of you right now are going, ain't no way I can do that. You're right. You on your own can't. But the love of God, experienced in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, received by faith, gets inside of us and begins to do its transforming work. So that now the love of God to me... Can be divvied out in little personal expressions to the people in my life. This is God like love. And it can and will happen when we apply the gospel interpersonally. I conclude with a quote from John Piper The opposite of impatience is not a glib denial of loss, it is a deepening, ripening, peaceful willingness to wait for God in the unplanned place of obedience. And to walk with God at the unplanned pace of obedience, to wait in his place and go at his pace. Love is patient.